patients and families are Stoughton Hospital's number one priority. To provide trusted health information to our patients and community, we present Stoughton Hospital Health Talk with Melanie Cole. Welcome. This is Stoughton Hospital Health Talk. I'm Melanie Cole, and today we're talking about AV fistulas for dialysis. Joining me is Dr. Aaron Schwab. He's a board-certified general surgeon at Stoughton Hospital. Dr. Schwab, it's such a pleasure to have you joining us today. Tell us a little bit about dialysis vascular access at first. What is it that people can expect as far as timeline and the types of access that you need if someone's going to undergo dialysis? When I see patients, they've typically been told by their nephrologist to uh, go see the surgeon because it's likely you're going to need dialysis access in the near future. And so when I talk to patients about hemodialysis and what hemodialysis is, is when they have to hook the patient up to a machine that's going to pull the blood out of their body and filter it and then put it back in. Um, and that's really doing the job that the kidneys are doing. Um, in order for the machine to be able to pull the blood out of their body and filter it and put it in quick enough, we have to have access to a fast-flowing circuit of blood in the body. And that is why we can't just put an IV in someone in their arm or their hand and do dialysis because their veins are too small and they just don't have enough flow in them. So in order to get access to that fast flowing circuit, there's really three options. There's what's called the dialysis catheter. There's an AV graft and an AV fistula. And a dialysis catheter is basically a plastic tube that is put into a, uh, on the chest or in the neck of a patient and the tip of that catheter sits down by their heart in the biggest vein in the body called the vena cava. It's, it's quite large. It's like a garden hose. It's got a lot of blood flowing through it. So they can hook patients up to that immediately and start using it. So that's the nice thing about those catheters. The problem with them is that they can get blocked or infected. So they don't typically last very long. The lifespan is about six to 12 months on one of those. If we're looking at an AV graft or an AV fistula, um, basically what those are without getting too detailed is we're going to hook an artery and a vein together in someone's arm so that the blood, which is flowing in an artery very quickly and under pressure can flow directly into the vein and create this fast flowing circuit. And the difference between a graft and a fistula is the graft uses a plastic tube to hook the artery and the vein together, whereas a fistula is just hooking the artery and the vein together directly. And the, the best system that we have is the fistula because we're not implanting any plastic in your body, so we don't have to worry about infection. It's just your own native blood vessels. And the fistula, once you get a nice fistula, they can last for several years. So that's really the ideal system for dialysis. Are there some people for whom a fistula is not an option and they have to stick with that initial shunt? Tell us a little bit about some of the complications first that could come with a shunt and who might not be able to get a fistula. problem with the catheter, again, is that because it's a plastic tube in your body, it's, it's going to eventually get infected or it's eventually going to get clogged. And then they have to take it out and put a new one in. And again, the lifespan is about six to 12 months. But the problem is, is each time you put one of those catheters in, it creates scar tissue in and around the veins that it's sitting in. And eventually after two, three or four catheters, it can be very difficult to get a new catheter in someone. So I've actually seen patients who've had catheters for five years and they may have had 
seven or eight catheters in that time frame, and now we can't get a catheter in them. And so now that person needs dialysis, and we're in trouble because we can't get an access in them. So as far as a fistula goes, really the patients who might struggle with the fistula are patients who have really small veins. So their veins are just so small that we can't sew them together well enough that there's going to be a good enough flow. That's probably the most common thing we see. You have to remember that a lot of these patients are, are obviously sick. They've been sick for a long time and they've had you know a bunch of IVs and their veins are kind of damaged from all of this blood draws and IVs that they've had in the past. So sometimes the IVs, uh, I mean, their veins just are not adequate that we just can't sew them together or their veins have a bunch of blockages in them or scar tissue from all the IVs they've had. So that's probably the most common problem we have. Otherwise, there's people who've had surgeries on their arms that have damaged their veins or they've had um, pick lines, which are long-standing IVs that have damaged their veins. We also see people who have had um, like pacemakers in, and those pacemakers can cause narrowing in the veins up in their chest, which can make it that official isn't going to work on that side. So in those patients, our options are to try and use a graft, which is the plastic tube, to substitute for someone with small veins or veins that doesn't work. Um, the other complications for someone with a fistula is the longer you have a fistula, that vein will continue to kind of get larger and dilate, and it can even turn into what we call an aneurysm, where the vein has become so dilated and stretched out that it's this large sac underneath the skin, and those are at risk to bleed or rupture. So that's, that's usually a problem for people who've had a fistula for a long period of time. If someone has a fistula, how long does it take until that can be used for dialysis access, and what do they do in the meantime? A fistula, because when we're hooking that artery and vein together, the vein starts out and is maybe you know an eighth of an inch in size or three or four millimeters. Um, we have to wait for that vein to stretch and dilate and get bigger now that it has that that fast flow with the pressure going through it. And that takes a minimum of two months. So for my patients, when I make a fistula, uh, I tell them it's going to be a minimum of two months before it could possibly be used. And it could take longer. It can sometimes take three, four or five months. So in the meantime, those patients are going to have a catheter in. And so the catheter is kind of the fallback safety net for people who are waiting to get their fistula up and running. They can have that catheter for several months. Once their fistula is ready, we can transition them from being hooked up with the catheter to their fistula. And once their fistula is working, we can take their catheter out. So you mentioned some of the risks with the catheter. While they've got that in and while they're waiting for the fistula to work, what are some things you would like patients to know that they can and can't do? What are some important recommendations for keeping it clean or showering, swimming, things that they need to think about, doctor? Typically, they're going to get pretty strict instructions from the from the dialysis centers about that, but generally they keep a bandage on it and the dialysis centers are going to teach them how to, you know, care for that. You know, these people are going into the dialysis center usually, you know, three days a week. So the, the nurses at the dialysis center are going to change and look at the catheter every day, but they are generally told that they can't shower because they don't want to get that site wet. They certainly can't swim. In that case, it, it can be pretty limiting. They also are usually counseled about what signs 
and symptoms to watch for. So if you're, you know, having fevers, especially after they use the catheter in dialysis, if someone starts having shaking chills or fevers, that can be a sure sign that the catheter is infected. And then when the dressings are changed, they're looking to obviously make sure that there's not redness or tenderness over the catheter site. When those catheters are used, they have to be used with very careful sterile technique so that we don't contaminate the catheters. You have to realize that those catheters go directly into someone's bloodstream. So if they do get bacteria in them, you're basically putting that bacteria right into someone's bloodstream, which is a very serious infection. What would you like patients to know about the procedure itself to put in the fistula, Dr. Schwab, as you are doing this at Stoughton Hospital? What would you like them to know about what they can expect and what questions you want them to ask? Most people are not looking forward to going on dialysis. They're, this is all very new to them. A lot of them are blindsided. Um, they come into my office sometimes a little bit in shock and certainly very frightened about, you know, what's this surgery going to entail? And I spend a lot of time just trying to reassure them. This is actually a pretty simple, straightforward surgery. We do it under um, sedation, so we don't have to put them asleep completely. It takes about an hour. Um, they get to go home the same day. And really within a day or so, they're back to their normal activity. There's really not any specific activity restrictions that we put on them. And the post-operative discomfort from the surgery is very mild. I, I like to tell some of my patients they probably cut themselves worse in the garage or in the kitchen. It's about a one-inch cut. So really the surgery is not much to be afraid of. As far as questions that they should ask when they come in, um, you know, they want to know what are what are things that I need to worry about as far as potential complications or risks. And the biggest one that they need to realize is that unfortunately, not all of these fistulas work when we create one. We're hooking an artery and a vein together, which is an unnatural thing in your body. And I tell patients it's usually about 80 to 90% of the time this actually works, but that 10 to 20% of the time it may not work. And it may not work because their veins are small or they have scar tissue in their veins. And if that happens, we may have to try again. So I like to make sure people realize that up front that this isn't a surefire thing. But thankfully, it's not a really invasive surgery that people are, are out of commission for several days or weeks because of it. Do you have any final thoughts, Dr. Schwab? You're such a great guest with so much good information. What you would like listeners to take away from this, if they are someone that have been told that dialysis is in their future, what would you like them to know about what they can expect from this whole process? Well, two things, Melly, I'd like to say is number one, you know, if you're told that you have poor kidney function and that you may be on the path of dialysis, that that has to be a big slap in the face for people that they need to do what their doctors tell them, their nephrologists and their their primary doctors, and watch their blood pressure, manage their sugars if they have diabetes, because if you can catch this and realize that your kidneys are damaged and make some lifestyle changes, you can stop the process in many cases and not end up on dialysis because, you know, dialysis becomes a way of life. You basically are spending three and a half, four hours, three times a week sitting in a chair getting dialysis. It becomes your job basically. So if you're warned by your physician that you need to make some changes or you're going to end up on dialysis, please listen to them and, and take it seriously so that you can avoid the whole process. And also for patients who have diabetes and have high blood pressure, um, who are younger, I can't tell you how many patients I see who say to me, they're, they're in their 60s now, and they say, God, I wish my doctor would have told me that if I didn't control my sugars or my blood pressure 20 years ago, 
I, I'd be sitting here want, needing dialysis. I wish someone would have really told me that. So that's really the message I want to get out is, you know, the two big culprits that we see are patients with diabetes who don't control their blood sugars and patients with high blood pressure who don't control their blood pressure. So, you know, those patients who are going to their doctor and being told their blood pressure is too high and their sugars are bad, please listen to that. Make the lifestyle changes you need because I promise you, you're, you're not going to want to retire with all these plans to go do all this traveling and then be tied to a dialysis machine for the rest of your life. So that would be my big message for people. And what a great message it is. Thank you so much, Dr. Schwab, as always. Really, really great information and so important for listeners to hear. And that concludes this episode of Stoughton Hospital Health Talk. Please visit our website at stoughtonhospital.com for more information and to get connected with one of our providers, such as Dr. Schwab. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other Stoughton Hospital podcasts. I'm Melanie Cole.